In peace let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the man who was made, who floods and was made to be continually in the true faith, that relying on the hope of your heavenly grace, we may ever be defended by your mighty power. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading appointed for this, the fifth Sunday, after the Epiphany is from the prophet Isaiah, the sixth chapter. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from the 14th chapter of 1st Corinthians. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
We stand in respect of Christ, to whom the Holy Gospel is read. Pressing in on him, Jesus, on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and put down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Together now we confess our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and then for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text from the Holy Gospel, these words, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets and getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down. And he taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Someone has said, and I think rather lightly, the only thing that casts any doubt upon the miracles of Jesus is that they were all witnessed to and reported by fishermen. Fishermen do indeed have a reputation for stretching the truth a bit, sort of like the man who had spent a fruitless day fishing, or perhaps we should say a fishless day fishing. He had nothing. He had fished from sunrise to late in the afternoon, he was determined that he wasn't about to go home to his wife without any fish to provide for the supper table. And so in desperation, he made a stop at the local fish market on the way home. He selected three fat fish from the display case. And then with a twinkle in his eye, he said to the clerk, now before you wrap them up, toss them to me carefully. One at a time, after all, I want to honestly be able to tell my wife that I caught them. That's stretching the truth quite a bit. The evangelist reporting the event of our text for today may well indeed be a fisherman, though he's not. He's a physician. St. Luke was a physician who, at the beginning indeed of his gospel, tells that he investigated everything thoroughly in order to give a consecutive report of all that had happened in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, a physician who investigated it all thoroughly. In addition to that, it is written indeed by the Holy Spirit himself who caused it, Scripture says, to be written for our learning. So this isn't simply the report of a fisherman that we have in today's text. It is indeed the report of the Holy Spirit himself through a physician who meticulously investigated the claims. The disciples had been fishing all night, and as the report tells us, they had caught nothing and they weren't fishing for a hobby. These were experienced fishermen. These men fished for a livelihood. It was a business to them, even as it was for hundreds of others who were out there fishing on the Lake of Gennesaret. No one also as the Sea of Galilee. Not a hobby, a business that they took seriously. The industry, indeed, of the whole area, in fact, the towns around the Sea of Galilee had names that 
reflected this fishing industry that was so popular there. Tarakia, for example, the Greek name for the Hebrew city of Magdala, it meant to smoke or to preserve fish. It was a pickling place, probably a town where people were employed for packing and then for exporting fish all around the Mediterranean area. Bethsaida means the house of fish, another town nearby, or more loosely, fish town. And at least four of the fishermen who followed Jesus came from the town of Bethsaida. Most of the town's men were employed in the fishing business. This was indeed the northern Minnesota, or the Wisconsin of Israel. And of course, after bringing in the day's catch, fishermen still had to do what fishermen always have to do. They had to, to mend their nets. They had to wash the nets out. They had to repair and maintain the boats. They had to preserve the fish. They had to bargain then with the local merchants in order to sell or to trade the catch that they had acquired. It was an exhausting job. It wasn't a, a nine to five kind of a job that you did for five days a week. It involved a lot of late night, in fact, all night fishing and then coming in because it was during the night that the surface of the water at night would be cool, the fish would rise, the catch was easier during the day, the sun's rays, especially there in the Mideast, would penetrate through the waters, driving the fish into the deeper depths of those cold waters. Much harder to get a catch during the day. And so when our text says that they were washing and that they were cleaning their nets, it's really telling us that they had already finished the bulk of the work that they would do in that day's time. They'd been all night fishing. They were ready, having cleaned the nets to go home because there was nothing to trade and nothing to sell because they had caught nothing. This was one of those days that the fishermen dreaded. Not only would they be tired from trying so hard, but they were frustrated because they had tried so hard and they had so little to show for it. In fact, these men had toiled all night and they had, as the text says, nothing. Nothing in their nets, nothing to show for it. Disappointed, to say the least, discouraged, undoubtedly disheartened, to be sure. You've been there too, haven't you? In your own life, in your own occupation perhaps you've been there with nothing in your nets I mean you worked hard at what you did morning to night spending well perhaps over an hour driving to work an hour driving from work at the end of a hard day and then suddenly you're notified that you don't have a job anymore and you're unemployed it seems like the net has nothing in it You worked hard at your marriage, but it obviously wasn't hard enough. Empty net. You did everything your husband or your wife for them that the doctor said that you should do, but it wasn't to be. Empty net. You gave your kids everything that you could, and you brought them here and there and everywhere, you brought them here on Sunday morning, instructed them in the word of truth, and now the word and sacrament which alone brings them the forgiveness of sins isn't a priority for them in their life anymore. Empty net. 
You worked hard at what you did, but it didn't turn out the way that you thought it would. That empty net feeling, as empty as the nets of those fishermen that day at the Lake of Gennesaret. We've all been there in one way or the other. And Jesus came on to them, the text says. The crowd pressing in on him, they said, because they all, in one way or the other, had their own empty nets to bring him. And Jesus saw two boats just sitting there. Boats that were vacated because they weren't being used. Nothing was being accomplished in them. Unused, vacated boats. And Jesus takes what is vacated because of man's inability to come up with anything and he changes it into a pulpit from which he proclaims the word of God that created everything. The word of God, which as it had done on the fifth day of creation of earth's time, caused empty waters to teem with fish, now does that same thing once again on a much smaller scale, of course, for a much smaller miracle, namely filling the empty nets of the fishermen in Galilee rather than filling with fish the oceans of the world. And at sermon's end, Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he says, Put now out into the deep. I've preached the word to you. I've shared the word. Now put out into the deep and put down your nets for a catch. And what happens? A miracle happens. A miracle, and I'm not talking about that simple miracle of fish suddenly filling these mended nets of Peter. I'm talking rather about the miracle of faith that is created within the mended heart of Peter. Because that's really where the miracle of this day is at. Not so much in the nets being filled, but in the heart of Peter being filled with faith that enabled him to look at the master and see him for who he was. Think about the divinely arranged sequence of these things. Peter, first of all, hears the word of God, which works faith then within his heart, a faith which then responds in obedience, in immediate confident obedience that only faith knows that only faith can produce master we toiled all night and we took nothing but at your word i will let down the nets faith speaking what before hearing the word it would never have said but now it's heard the word a god-generated faith producing faith-generated works works which dare to do what the Word of God says to do even when it flies in the face of conventional wisdom or vocational experience or human reason. Don't you think that's what happened for for Peter and for his companions who in faith did what Peter told them, what Jesus told them to do in that day? It was all flying in the face of conventional wisdom. Don't you think that a good number of faithless fishermen who were there in the shore that day looked at these men going out in the boats at the, in the middle of the day like they were doing when you certainly don't catch fish? And don't you think that the experienced fishermen who were there and who had had days like this before, seasoned fishermen who knew and had learned from their fishermen fathers a few tried and true fishermen rules, including the most basic of them all, that you, you fish at night, not during the middle of the day, don't you think that they must have looked at these disciples going out in the boat and laughed and scorned? Not this day would they laugh and scorn long. Not the day when Jesus says, Simon, put out into the deep and let down your, your nets for a catch. 
And Simon Peter's faith and word-generated faith says, at your word, Lord, we fished all night and we got nothing, but at your word, we'll simply put down the nets. Let them raise their eyebrows as we push off the shore. Let them laugh as we row out into the deep. Let them make us the brunt of their jokes as they see us lower the nets into the water. But at your word, Lord, at your word, we will put down the nets. Faith did what the word of God told it to do. And the word of God did what it said it would do. In fact, the nets of Simon's boat were so full of fish, Scripture tells us that they began breaking, and the boats of Simon's friends, John and James, so full of fish that they began sinking. God in the flesh, right there, doing far more abundantly than all that we can ask or we can possibly imagine or think. Any wonder that Simon Peter, now sweaty from pulling in all of these fish into his boat, fish that were flopping all about him, any wonder that he would, in the midst of it all, look up to Jesus, standing tall in the bow of the boat, perhaps ten foot away from him, any wonder that he would have felt like Isaiah in the Old Testament lesson today as Isaiah stood in the very presence of God himself in the temple of God, hearing the seraphim shouting out, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth is full of thy glory, even as we sing in our liturgy as we approach the altar to receive the Christ himself. Any wonder that Peter in the boat would have had that same sense that Isaiah had as he was there in the temple that we heard about in the Old Testament lesson this morning. And here's Simon Peter within 10 feet of where God in flesh stands on earth before him. Any wonder that he falls penitently and humbly to his knees and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You began this day, but a few moments ago, with no less a confession than either Peter or Isaiah made in the texts for today. Simon Peter in the boat at sea, remember, called himself a sinful man, as we just heard. Isaiah of old, in heaven's temple, calls himself what? Unclean. And isn't it significant and interesting that in our liturgy then, you'd have both the words sinful and unclean in what you confessed this morning. The uncleanness of which Isaiah spoke, the sinfulness of which Peter spoke, and you said and you confessed, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful, like Peter, and unclean, like Isaiah. Your words, no less a confession than these words of these saints of old. And your forgiveness, no less than that granted both Peter in the boat and Isaiah in the temple. Peter who heard the forgiving fear not of the Lord, the absolution which then freed him to confess Jesus as the Christ before men in his day, even as that same word of absolution in our day frees us and forgives you and then frees you to confess Jesus Christ before men in our day, that you too might be doing what Peter did, catching men, if you will, through that confession of Christ that we make. 
That same forgiveness granted Isaiah as the angelic seraphim with coal from the altar touched Isaiah's lips saying, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt now is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. And so for you, today even something greater touches your lips. Today the very body and the very blood of Jesus Christ touches your lips, taking all of your sins, guilt away from you. The answer of our Lord's call by which Isaiah says then, Hear, O Lord, I am, send me, send me. That same word, that same enfleshed Christ enabling you to do the very same thing throughout the ages. The, the power of Christ's word has been going out in the deep with the, with the Isaiahs and with the Simons of the ages. And with the likes of you and me, the unclean made clean, sinners made saints, the unholy made holy. All of us who have in one way or the other simply thought that we were on top of things and that we were on con in control of things only to find out in the end that we weren't. And even then, when we find out in the course of life that we're not in control of things like we think we so often are, even then how re reluctant we are to give up our little controllers. One contemporary writer has put it this way. He says, being in control has become an addiction for people in our age, and not just for the Google generations. When was the last time that you didn't have some sort of control device in your hand or on your person? A remote, a cell phone, a Blackberry, a laptop, OnStar, Brinks, GPS, all are controllers. We like to think of ourselves as being in control of things, even though we're not. And when we're so far out in the deep that we've lost all control and we're overwhelmed and we're overcome by it all, how good it is then, how very good it is then to have Christ Jesus at our side. How good it is to know that he's gone out into the deep with us and not as a mascot who merely follows at our heels to do our bidding whenever we call upon him to do so because we're in over our heads so far. No, Jesus is no mascot. He is what Simon Peter called him, Master, Epistates, the one with whom rests the control of our lives, the one with whom rests our destiny and our eternity. So, Master, at your word, I let down the nets. At your word, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
this time those who have been elected or appointed to offices in the church or as board members or as elders in the congregation, newly elected or appointed or continuing, at this time, please come forward for installation. friends in our Lord Jesus Christ, having been duly elected or appointed to your respective offices and boards in this congregation, you are to cooperate with the pastors of the congregation as you plan and coordinate and conduct the activities of this congregation and the functions assigned to your respective positions by the constitution and bylaws of this congregation. In order that the congregation may be assured of your willingness to assume the duties to which you have been elected or appointed, I now ask you in the presence of God and of his people, will you, as God enables you to do so, diligently and faithfully perform the duties of your position in conformity with the scriptures, the confessions of the Lutheran Church, and the constitution of this congregation, working together at all times to maintain peace and harmony among us, if so, then say, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. And now I ask the elected and appointed elders of the congregation. Will you, according to your respective positions as administrative teaching and visitation elders, assist the pastors of the congregation by seeing to it that divine services are held regularly and conducted decently and in good order, that the word of God is rightly preached and taught, and that the sacraments are administered according to their institution by Christ, will you, according to your respective positions, assist the pastors by giving attention to the spiritual needs of all members, especially the sick, encouraging members who are neglecting word and sacraments, and do what is necessary to maintain Christian discipline among us? If so, then say, I will with the help of God. I will with the help of God. Whereas then you have all committed yourselves to the work which you have been elected or appointed to do, I therefore commit you to your respective offices and charge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to do all that you do to his glory in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray. O most merciful and gracious God, who is ever present, an ever-present witness of all of our promises and vows, and who enables us to make and to keep them, we thank you for working through us to accomplish your purposes among us, especially for those who have served their terms of duty as officers, elders, and board members in our midst. We thank you for their labors of love, and we beseech you for Jesus' sake, to send down your Holy Spirit upon these your servants, that they may discharge their duties with diligence and steadfastness, boldness and wisdom. Grant them in particular the spirit of devotion and prayer that in every time of need they may by prayer and supplication make their requests for the church known unto you. Set them for a blessing to your believers. Keep them in sincere harmony with their pastors 
and grant that also by their service the unity of this congregation may be preserved and strengthened, that your name may be hallowed, your kingdom enlarged, your will done. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Go then, your brothers and sisters in our Lord, as you have been elected and appointed, be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Go now in his peace, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you that, though once we were far off from you because of our sin, you have ransomed us and brought us near by the blood of Christ, and graciously count us as members of your church and heirs of eternal glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, who calls disciples by, by the authority of your word, through pastors and congregations both near and far, cause your word to go out working repentance in the hearts of those who hear it and trust in your saving work, that those who hear of you and believe in you through your scriptural voice might be kept through your word and sacraments until we join the ranks of those who rest from life's labors. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of comfort, by your resurrection promises, bless the families of Shirley Brackman and sister in Christ, Tilly Lewis, who now rest heaven's rest. And bless as well our brother in Christ, Walter Shedler Sr., the grandfather of Jonathan Shedler, with the same assurances as he nears the threshold of eternity. As long as he is yet in this world, be for him the light of this world. And by your word, which, you, which has been for him a lamp to his feet and a light for his earthly path, uphold him until soon he beholds you face to glorious face. Lord, in your mercy. Bless our nation and its leaders. We pray for our president and governor and mayors, the members of our national, state, and local legislatures, judges high and low, that our land might be one in which godliness is embraced and godlessness rejected. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, while we daily sin much and deserve nothing from your hand, we ask that you would grant to us by your grace the daily bread with which you once blessed Peter. Teach us to engage in our given vocations in prosperous as well as in lean times, trusting that you will indeed provide, just as you have promised. For this end, bless with employment those who do stand in need of it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father of tender compassion, whose hand never tires of upholding your dear people, be with the ill and the infirmed, including Sonia Heidemann, Hugh Ryan, Marguerite Health, Dick and Elsie Much, Ralph Chambers. Grant healing to those who are receiving treatments or, ha 
or who have undergone surgery, including Christel Sinzig and Ed Hefner, equip them with perseverance, that they might endure and not despair in that which you've permitted unto them. For your grace will always be sufficient for us. Lord, in your mercy. <clears throat> with Jim and Veronica Lenford, receive our thanks for soon blessing them with yet another anniversary of marriage. Be for each husband and wife the ground of their home and family. And by your example to your bride, the church, may all build each other up in love and by forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. Joining the angels and the archangels, the cherubim and seraphim, we soon sing holy, holy, holy with them before you, almighty Lord. And yet we do not fear to approach you, Lord Jesus, for in your very body and blood, once crucified and now risen, under the bread and wine, you draw near in the Holy Supper to touch our lips and take away our sin. Prepare us to receive it in faith, refresh us by it, strengthen us in love for others, that like Isaiah before us, you might send us from this place and through our lives lead others to where you, through your life-giving word and sacraments, touch and restore lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayers, Heavenly Father. Deliver and preserve us, for to you alone be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, now world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you. Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For what had been hidden from before the foundation of the world, you have made known to the nations in your Son. In him, being found in the substance of our mortal nature, you have manifested the fullness of your glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of heart and might, and ever thankful of your glory, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive and renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. 
Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, Father, be all glory, honor, and worship, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we might be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace.